Football systems check. Microphone. Check. Record enabled. Kate. Check. Michelle. Check. All systems go. I repeat, all systems go. We got a problem. We got a Copy. We have ball blast. I repeat, we have ball blast. Ball blasties. Hey, hey. Howdy, y'all. This is our first week doing two episodes, and I am pumped. Who's overwhelmed? I'm not. I am so ready for this. Too much blasting of your balls? No? I don't think there's such a thing. Ah, yeah, you're right. Although most of our listeners probably only have two to begin with. Most of Mm, them. Most. I don't know who has more or less. Some may only have one. Some may have zero. Kind of like us. Yeah. And hopefully nobody has three. That's that's where I'm going with that. I'm not judging. (laughs) I am here to be supportive of all of you guys, but super excited to be here doing our second episode of the week. I am ready to get this part started. We've got a special guest here today. I'm going to get to that in a little bit, but first I want to talk about the Midwest Fantasy Football Expo, Canton, Ohio. We're coming at you August 18th. Um, tickets are just $20, $20 for um, an awesome panel of uh, discussions throughout the day, a live podcast stage, which I'm super pumped to take by storm. Very excited. Use your promo code BALLBLAST, all caps, one word, and you get $5 off. So you get all of that for $15. It and seems you get like some- it's going to be an awesome Really fun day. Super fun. What else can you do for $15, honestly? Like nothing. In nothing. The world so you can you can't even go see a movie because then you can't even enjoy a popcorn with that. So come talk to us at the expo. You'll meet some really awesome people. Yeah, like us. And maybe you'll even get to chug a beer with us. Oh, There's no alcohol at the Stop event, that, but Michelle. afterwards. Yeah, maybe afterwards. Uh, yes. Come come see us. Promo code BALLBLAST, $5 off. Uh, don't forget to check us out on Patreon at patreon.com slash BALLBLAST. Your support gets us uh, air conditioning, helps us buy some new supplies that we're, we're using to upgrade our sound, uh, upgrade our studio. So please consider supporting us. It means the absolute world to us. You get an extra episode a week. So that would be three episodes of BALLBLAST per week. Yep. And then you get access to our Slack chat yeah uh, so any questions you have we are there to answer we have and a chatty group there too i love those guys yeah they're talking all the time it's great and the best part is when the season starts you have first priority for sit start questions yes because those are going to keep us very busy Oof. but your questions will never go unanswered over a patreon so please consider supporting us um big shout out to ross tucker we just aired our first episode on their network monday and we have easily seen, by far, our biggest turnout yet. So I'm really excited to be partnering up with him. Uh, excited to be partnering with FantasyGo.com, which I'll get to in a little bit. Um, our special guest for today, Joe Pisapia of the Fantasy Black Book. He's here to talk about some ADP rapid risers who have a, li- a little nervous. They make me hyperventilate a little bit. Yeah. Maybe buyers beware. Too much too soon. Mm -hmm. Um, It's training camp. Don't fall for all the buzz. 
Um, and then we're going to talk about some guys who maybe aren't getting enough love when it comes to the ADP. So stay tuned for that. Um, in the meantime, let's get into some news and notes. This just in. Breaking news. Breaking news. Ugh. The training camp injury train. It's rolling into town, Michelle. It is. It is. AJ Green, his ankle sprain, uh, so mild, by the way, required surgery, likely to miss several games. I think uh, when they opened up that ankle, they saw some stuff they didn't like. Uh, he is predicted, I think, up to miss up to four regular season games, which is not good news. He was going in the third round, which was considered a pretty great value for him. Where do you draft AJ Green now? If he's going to be out four games, which still the timetable is probably going to be up in the air, it's going to definitely depend on his overall recovery time and all of that. But where where do you draft AJ Green if he's going to be out four games? So... Yeah, and it keeps getting worse every day. I feel like we keep getting more news, like, oh, it's going to be later and later Oh, and later. it was a low ankle sprain. So, oh, good news. Excellent. I, yeah, I don't think we're going to get any more news that it's going to be any later anytime soon, but I can see the season starting. He is 31 years old. Your body just takes a little bit longer to heal when you're when you're older. Yeah. Um, I, I think we can already start feeling that with our bodies. <laughs> like yeah, and breaking down. Breaking very down slowly. already at 27, so I can't imagine being a 31-year-old you know, professional, professional athlete. athlete getting hit all the time. But I wasn't planning on taking him in the third round when he was fully healthy. I was, I've not been high on him this offseason, even if I should be, but I, I'm just very cautious of him. So missing at least a month... I don't think he should go before the seventh round. I That seven was actually the number I had in my head. I think when you start to get into the seventh round, you get to sort of more question mark players where you might be able to afford taking A.J. Green, who can be a true elite wide receiver one. It's just it's hard to draft a guy and let him sit on your bench for four weeks when you can't count on any production. They're clogging up a bench spot. You're going to need... A, this is how fast those injuries are piling up right now. Regular season is no different. So yeah, I don't want to have to hold him and then hope that he comes back and hope that his foot, you know, holds up. And it was his foot, right? Uh, ankle. Ankle. But foot. he did have he had foot issues last season, so it's it's just lower body issues, especially for a wide receiver, never good. Because guess what? Um, feet and ankles are the worst apparently pretty important to the wide receiver position. So when I'm looking at ADP, I'm definitely taking Pettis and Kirk before Green, now that Green's missing uh, basically a month. But then once you get there, like later seventh round, you have Will Fuller, Allen Robinson, Sammy Watkins, Sterling Shepard, Marvin Jones. All question marks. Yeah, all question marks. And also many of them get hurt, um, Corey Davis. That So there's a lot of question marks. So I would pull the trigger there. Um, and, and just, you know, hold on to him for those four weeks, even though that will be tough. But if he comes back at that four-week mark, I think he'll be a pretty good value in that seventh round. I agree. Derrick Henry uh, spotted in a walking boot. Andrew Luck hasn't been participating in training camp activities uh, in the last couple of days. Both are dealing with calf strains. Uh, word on the street is that both of them should be 100% for the regular season. I, They're I both think- being so sketchy. 
I do think that both will be fine, but I don't know why the news was so hush-hush for Derrick Henry. And then all of a sudden, I feel like Andrew Lockie was like, yeah, this is the second day that he's missed. I'm like, well, what happened to the first day? Like, how did that news just like... Creep on by. Yeah. So they're just, you know, being secretive about it. Yeah. And I, I did hear from uh, coaching staff in Indy that if they had like a regular season game coming up, they'd feel okay putting them out there. So they're just being precautionary. But, you know, I don't think that's a bad a bad thing necessarily. You want these guys to be fully healthy and you want them to have that explosion and be Honestly, able to make plays. if they're not a big injury, it might be the, the best thing for both of them so they don't get hurt out there right now, like a bigger injury. I do think it's a much bigger deal for Derrick Henry because, you know, with a quarterback, a calf strain, you probably can play through that. Like, you're going to yeah. be okay unless it was really, you know, a bad strain. But with Derrick Henry, he's going to need to be hopefully 100%. Yeah, and I I think this happened early enough and the the good thing about both of these guys is their their offensive role is very secure. So like I'm not worried about somebody pushing Derrick Henry for reps and I'm just I I don't care. I'm not concerned. Deion Lewis They already whatever. saw what Deion Lewis was last year and he he wasn't able to, you know, be that power horse Power workhorse back. Power horse. Power horse. <laughs> Power horse. That's no, a strong the, ass horse. <laughs> the workhorse back. So I think Derrick Henry will get his role that they've, they've been talking about all offseason. Ride him into it, the sun. Ride yeah. that power horse into the sunset. It just needs to be healthy and he'll be okay. I, I absolutely agree. Tyreek Hill, there was a panic on Twitter. Tyreek Hill went down his right, his right quad. He'll be fine. He has a bruised quad. He's going to be fine. Nobody's worried about it. I think they're just resting him for a few days, and then he should be a go. Damian Williams did not practice after a hamstring injury. This occurred Sunday, so we talked about that. I don't think he's been back into practice, and we've heard Carlos Hyde and Daryl Williams have been getting first-team reps. Interesting. Mm -hmm. And I think Darwin Thompson got a little double in that so they're all getting their chances i haven't heard anyone like you know break shining away. yeah shining with it uh if they did that would be worrisome for damian williams because i do think he has the least lock of that backfield if he were to miss time and someone were to shine but we haven't really heard anything i think he'll be back you know in the next couple of weeks the issue with hamstring injuries is that they do tend to linger yeah linger re you know re-injure yeah so we will. We shall see. I would be a little worried, but not too, too worried. Yeah, I think uh, it was you, Michelle, that said this on Twitter. If you were high on Damian Williams, this shouldn't really change that. If you are low on Damian Williams, this sort of just gives you that that little uh, satisfaction that, that they're getting other guys into the first team to see how they look because you and I are both not big Damian Williams believers, believers in the situation, but I still don't like the talent's just not there for me. Same. Golden Tate, four game suspension. Um, he came out with like a an official statement about that, said he was using some fertility drugs that were prescribed. Uh it doesn't he said it was disclosed. It doesn't seem like the NFL cares. He's going to have that four game suspension. Yeah. Yikes. I, I, I don't I don't understand why they're so you know, they, they do this policy to a T. They don't make any exceptions. Like, he's not going to – it sounds like he won't get any games off. He's going to have to 
play out that four game suspension. But then when it personal comes to, conduct policy, it's just sort of out the window. Yeah. yeah. When it comes to anything else, it's like they just make it up. But this one, nope, you definitely no get the four game suspension. Even if you know you you caught it right away and you you told everybody, it doesn't matter. You get a bigger suspension than someone that's maybe it's a softy in me. I just like this the story of like just you know trying some fertility medications. I don't know. Like, like the, if the man wants to have a baby, how many weeks did Jameis Winston get last year? Uh, was it four? I think it was three. three? It was three. It was three or four. Either way, um, I, I guess groping For, a girl is okay in their minds, but yikes. you know, taking this one dose and catching it and telling everybody is not okay. And who knows? Maybe that's not the story. I don't know. It's what it's what he released in a statement. But interesting. There's nobody left aside from Evan Ingram and Saquon Barkley. Yeah, that's really the the story here. Sterling Shepard should be good to go. He actually was already practicing today. He was only catching with one hand, but he was running all the drills. So that's really promising. It's all about can you know will his thumb be okay in the start of the season? Because it's really hard to catch a ball without two working thumbs. Hey, OBJ did it just fine. If it was OBJ, I'd bet he'll be fine. He could literally go out there and catch with one hand. He's got it. Sterling Shepard, I, I like his talent, but I would feel better if he had two hands. Uh, if they need Sterling Shepard out there, that whole offense needs it. And I actually want it for Evan Ingram. I think him being the only guy out there might not be the best thing for him. I, I think it would be nice for defenses to have to worry about, you know, another pass catcher. Yeah. And everything out of training camp for Golden Tate has been pretty positive, actually. So it, it would be a loss for them. I know Golden Tate, um, you know, he's on the older side of the, the ball, um, but he could still be a very productive wide receiver, and that's what their offense needs. So it, I'm going to be excited to see them come back, but all signs point to them having an early pick in 2020. Yeah, yeah, and they already spent their early pick on Daniel Jones. So it'll be really interesting <laughs> if next year if they had you know the first pick, do they pull Arizona Cardinals? Yeah. And like try to trade Daniel Jones. That'll be really fun to watch. But um, not for Giants fans, guys. I would rather lose out than win six games. That's fair. I would rather get the first pick. Yeah, I, I would too, especially in a deep, deep draft class. Yeah. That, that sounds good. Zeke has yet to show up to camp. Jerry Jones says, you don't need a Russian champion to win a Super Bowl. I'm going to sign Alfred Morris. <laughs> He's going to bring you the Super Bowl. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you do. You don't need a rushing champion to win a Super Bowl, but Dallas, you do need Zeke to win you a Super Bowl. They look we've like seen, a different team without him. We've already seen a six-game suspension, and honestly, I think that could be the best thing for Zeke when he's talking about this this contract extension. It's like, a great leverage point because he's that he's team probably thinking, suffered. yeah, he's thinking I sat at home and I watched these games, and y'all look different without me. Yeah, Dak looked different without him, and. I think Zeke is the one running back in the league that must be paid. I think he's a difference maker for his team. And I'm really hoping they give him that contract because that helps everybody else. That will help Amari Cooper. That's going to help Dak a million times. If all three of them are on the field in 2019, I think they're a legitimate threat for a Super Bowl. I have them going to the playoffs, but if Zeke doesn't play, they're not going no. to the playoffs in my mind. Anyways, nope. Nope. Guys, there's been some buzz, recent buzz, buzz, buzz. Um, 
Let's go over some camp highlights. I want your rapid reaction, Michelle. Rapid, so fast. How 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 fast can we? Okay. Okay. Ryan Fitzpatrick leading quarterback competition in Miami. Why? Stupid. See what Josh Rosen can do so you know next year whether you have to take a quarterback or not because you're probably – Miami's going to have another early pick next year. I don't know. Miami always seems to get home games under wraps because everybody wants to party in Miami. Does, do they want to win like just enough to miss the playoffs of Ryan Fitzpatrick? That's what they do every single year, though. Uh, like, see what you have in Josh Rosen, and then if he's good, then you're like, oh, cool, we can build around him, and we're happy we won nine games because that's promising for next year. If you win nine games with Ryan Fitzpatrick, who cares? You, you learn nothing about yourselves. I do think, though, that if Ryan Fitzpatrick is under center, we might have a fantasy-relevant wide receiver. Someone. Albert Wilson? Birdie? Sure. Okay. Uh, Darren Waller shows flashes in the passing game. I think he's a really good sleeper tight end if you punt the position. Um, I I think he's a fine sleeper. I think he will be used. I don't think he's going to be used as much as Jared Cook. We'll get into him actually next episode on Monday, Jared Cook, and then I'll, I'll try to talk about Darren Waller a little bit. But um, I think he'll be used. He's a fine sleeper. All right. Um, I do think that they did utilize a, a pretty heavy tight end scheme last year. Again, probably because they had nobody else. But uh, one of the higher, I think they ranked six in targets to the tight end um, when it comes to percentage of the team's passes. Interesting. If it continues, I don't know. Now they actually have playmakers, so it won't be anything like Jared Cook last year. But Playmakers, plural. Huh. Derek <laughs> Carr likes the tight end position, so okay. I would take a chance on him. He's super cheap. Daniel Jones hasn't taken any first-team reps. As long as Eli Manning is there, Daniel Jones probably isn't going to see the field unless they start 0-10. and 10. As a Giants fan, I don't even know if you want Daniel Jones to come in because either way, I, I don't know. Would you want them to? If Ben Roethlisberger, because we're Steelers fans, obviously, Ben Roethlisberger is still on the team, I, I feel like it would be really rude for like Mason Rudolph to play if Ben was healthy, even if Ben was sucking. I, I would just want him to play out. I would hope that Eli Manning or Ben would know to retire <laughs> I don't. That's I, that's the thing, though. Like, when does this guy know to retire? And he already said that he wants to play a, a couple more years, or until he decides he wants to quit. So, I think you just either you need to trade Eli Manning, or I don't know, talk to him and just beg him to retire. <laughs> retire after Sit this year. Sit him down and say, let Daniel Eli. Jones learn underneath Eli Manning this year, because Eli Manning can still teach a young quarterback. He just can't play anymore. Uh, but I, I don't see Daniel Jones starting unless they, you know, 0-10 or something like that. I'm looking forward to the A&E intervention episode where they all sit down Eli Manning and they say, Eli, we love you very much. Thank you for the Super Bowls. You got to go, man. Please go. Please go. We've written you several loving letters about your contributions to our team. Um, Antonio Callaway, he's consistently playing with the second team behind Rashard Higgins. Rude. I, I think Higgins is a really good wide receiver, not for fantasy, but for the NFL and for Cleveland. But he showed nice rapport with Baker Mayfield last year. Callaway is like has special talent, and I really think in a, a three wide receiver set, he is going to prove to be more than what people expect. And I'm going to hold on to that for right now. And I hope he starts getting some first team reps. And uh, maybe this is your opportunity to buy him cheap. 
yeah, you're right. I should go try to do that. Go trade for him right now. We're going to put the podcast on hold. Psych. Carson Wentz and Deshaun Jackson, their connection has been automatic. Listen, any any quarterback that has Deshaun Jackson on his team usually is better that year, like instantly better. Whether Deshaun Jackson is a great player for fantasy or not, he just helps his quarterbacks out. I mean, he's a deep threat. He gets guys open. And, and he can take one open. to the house. Yeah, so Easy. Yeah, I'm sure that I'm glad to hear that they have a connection because you wouldn't want it to be like a Jameis Winston situation where he just could not build that connection. With it's Deshaun so funny, Jackson. like the chemistry portion of just overall wide receiver quarterback production, because I mean that right off the bat when Deshaun Jackson was working with Tampa Bay, we heard, yeah, these guys just aren't meeting like the, and they never got it. They never got the timing down. They just never sort of had that rapport. I think they tried to work with each other in the offseason. Like, they did all this stuff to try and gel, and they just never hit it off. So Deshaun Jackson, he might feel comfortable in Philly, feel comfortable in the offense. I really like Deshaun Jackson this year. He's going in the uh, 11th round, which I think is pretty decent for a wide receiver flyer. He was the wide receiver, uh, I think, 17 and half PPR with Fitzmagic last year. And he started off so strong. Mm-hmm. If he starts off that same way, I would be trying to sell him. But he is a really good pick in that 11th round. If Carson Wentz and Deshaun Jackson have that connection, he's a really good pick. Tight end Mark Andrews of the Ravens looks like the most productive offensive player in camp. Not surprising. Not surprising at uh, all. Second, uh, he was actually led rookie tight ends in yards per route run. He's looks always, He's competing with a bunch of... Tight ends. wide receivers. <laughs> no. A bunch of tight ends and a bucket. Like, you have Miles Boykin, you have Marquise Brown, who's not even playing right now, and then Willie Sneed. Like, if Mark Andrews didn't look like the most productive offensive player, I'd be a little bit nervous. You stop tampering my Mark Andrews hype. I really like Mark Andrews. I'm not tampering it. Uh, I just I don't think he's going to see a ton of targets this year, so he's going to have to rely on those big plays. But I really like Mark Andrews this year, and he will be the focal point of that offense, I think. I referred to uh, the Raiders as being one of those teams that has a high percentage of targets to the tight end. Ravens, obviously, another one of those teams. So Mm -hmm. a guy to watch out for because he's still going. um, My last ADP check was uh, tight end 15, and I think he's got a lot of upside. Last but not least, we've got Daryl Henderson, who they say will be utilized in a Chris Thompson-type role. Cool. PPR, standalone value? He should. Him being a rookie makes me a little bit nervous about, yeah, they might plan that, you know, they might plan that to be his role. But will it happen? I don't know. He is the best handcuff to own. If you, you know. Most expensive handcuff to own. Yes. In redraft, I might. If I'm taking Todd Gurley, I might just take him and just hope for the best. Because then you're spending a, a sixth or seventh round pick too, and that's a, that's a costly pick. And then, do you really want to play him both, even if he is the Chris Thompson role? That'll be really hard. I don't know. Uh, in, in Dynasty, if you take Todd Gurley, you must take Daryl Henderson. There's no if, ands, or buts. Yep. Uh, we announced our listener league uh, entries last week. This week, oh my gosh, we're on twice a week. Yes. I keep having that revelation. So on Monday, we we discussed our listener league. Send us your haikus. Five syllables, seven syllables, five syllables. Dork. (laughs) 
uh, and send us a screenshot of your five-star reviews over on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts and are able to leave a review. Um, We want to hear your haikus about fantasy football. So we have two winners to announce. We uh, announced the first, Bill's Collecta. Next up, we got Sir Topher, Topher K44 on Twitter. Do you want me to read his haiku in my most poetic? I do. Okay. Accent? No. Fine. Melvin's holdout sucks. I just want money for wine. Hashtag teacher life. <laughs> this one got me because I, I used to be a teacher and, you know, you just you just need that money for that alcohol to get you get you through those nights when you come home from those terrible students. That's funny. Topher. During, during Melvin Gordon's holdout, you just, you need something to get you through those <laughs> tough times. I love it. That That's really funny. So welcome to the listener league. So now we have two in the listener league. You ready for number three? Number three. Let's go. All right. Jordan G ski at bud underscore ski S K I 33 need football advice. Ask Sir Mix a lot. He's good at finding big busts. <laughs> That's a good one. I like big busts and I cannot lie. But we don't like big busts. I like I finding lie. them and identifying them for my listeners, yo. Ooh. What, what? All right. So now we have three people in the listener league. Congratulations. Keep those entries coming. If you're listening, that, that fantasy football haiku, that five-star review, we appreciate all of them so far. Um, we're about to get to our special guest, but first we want to take a minute to talk about one of the newer fantasy football sites on the market. During the season, you will spend plenty of time asking us questions on Twitter, like incessantly, but fantasygo.com is the only site of its kind that will allow you to literally pick whatever analyst you want on the site, obviously, to help you manage your team. So, If you're in too many leagues like I am and you're a little overwhelmed some week, if you're going on vacation and you can't like keep up with the news that week, if you're on a cruise in the Bahamas and you don't got that internet access, go to fantasygo.com, head to the marketplace, find your favorite analyst. I know you're going to be finding uh, us over in the analyst marketplace so you can have the Ball Blast Girls manage your team. Search Kate or Michelle M to get the Ball Blast Girls exclusive and we will help to manage your teams in 2019. You get to do um, different options. You can have them set your lineup for you remotely. You can have them help you make ads and drops on the waiver wire. Uh, lots of cool functions available through the Yahoo platform. But go check them out at fantasygo.com. Um, and don't forget to visit the marketplace because you're going to find the Ball Blast Girls there. And we want to help you set your lineups in 2019, yo. And now I think it's time to get into our very special guest. Welcome to the podcast, our very special guest, Joe Pizzapietz. What is up, Joe? Oh, you are I'm, so energized tomorrow, uh, this morning. I, I am. I just had the coffee. That's why. It's before it wears off. Hopefully, hopefully it'll last the whole show. I'm sure it will. Now I'm excited to be talking with you guys. I mean, I love talking fantasy football and uh, you two do a terrific job and I'm very excited to be here as a guest of yours. So uh, yeah, let's do it, baby. Everybody, Joe is the creator of the Fantasy Black Book. Are you still topping the charts over at, at Amazon.com? Uh, I like anybody's ever heard of it. Uh, yeah, it's new. It's new. Amazon's this new service. If you haven't heard of it, you can go over there and check it out on the internet. Uh, but yeah, it's uh, <laughs> it's still number one in fantasy sports now for 
for the last month, actually, we've had it for over four weeks. We've had that spot uh, over uh, over all the other football books and even the Harry Potter Quidditch book, which is tough to beat. Ooh. Let me tell you, that is no small feat. Uh, and we're number three, I think, in football books right now. So we That's are awesome. really pushing. So usually in August, we hit number one in football books last year and the year before for a short time. But last year, we hit it for like a couple weeks ahead of Tom Brady, ahead of Nick Foles, ahead of a couple huge like biography kind of books. So that was an astounding moment in time. So I'm hoping we get up there as well again this year. That would be terrific. Beating Tom Brady, the goat, has to feel pretty awesome. Well, you know, as a Patriots fan, I have conflict about that deep inside, but it's it's pretty cool. Yeah, I'm not going to lie. It's still pretty cool. Tom's had enough success. He can share a little bit. All right. It would be a lot more fun for someone like me who like who hates hates him. him. I know. I know you do. I I have a bunch of Steeler family. I have a bunch of family from Central and then Western Pennsylvania. So it's an ongoing thing. It's all jealousy. It's all jealousy. I realize that. You know what? You're thank you, Michelle. You're the first person that said that because I keep when I was growing up as a kid, if the if the Pats weren't in it, I would de facto kind of root for the Steelers only because. I had so much family there. I wanted to see them do well and all this. And all of a sudden, after that fourth championship, you could feel the tide turn with the Steeler fan base. And my family started to revolt. And I'm like, what's going on? And now it's now it's a war. Now it's just it's over. But yeah, it's I, so weird. We're just sick of it. We're sick hear, of being yeah. hurt by him. <laughs> Stop hurting us, I know. Tom. And please. all that avocado ice cream and his pretty wife and the whole thing. Yeah, it's 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 annoying. It's I hear a perfect you. life, yeah. <laughs> That's all right. He's uh, he may have broken our hearts, but he can't break our spirits. I like that. That's, he's broken my spirit. He's broken his. Well, I can understand why. I mean, God, he's he's forty two now, and he's still. I mean, even if you're just a football fan, you don't appreciate how hard it is to be playing football at that age. I know he's a quarterback, but still, man, that's that's a lot. I mean, look at us. We're we're just trying to get up in the morning and do a podcast, and he's out there already. You know, rock and rolling and slinging the rock. I know, slinging the rock at you know six thirty in the morning. Guys, unbelievable. He is unbelievable. Well, everybody, follow this ball of energy, Joe Pisapio, <laughs> over Twitter at Joe P I S A P I A 17. I like that number. I was born on the 17th ah. of the month. So I'm I'm very happy about your your name here. You can also check out uh, Joe's podcast. He's the host of the Fantasy Black Book Show with Scott Bogman and Chris Welsh. Um, talking fantasy football, also a little fantasy baseball. For any of our listeners that sort of uh, dabble across the the sport waves, yeah, we we do not help you in the baseball world at all. No. So go listen to them to get some of that information. Yeah, we're not we're not there yet, but you you guys are putting out good stuff. Uh, today we're going to be talking rapid risers. So we're looking at uh, you know ADP. It, we're headed into training camp, right? There's a lot of a lot of news bits floating around about who's looking pretty. Um, a lot of nice little clips of, you know, these barely covered passes in training no. camp that has everybody I all know, flutter. I know. They're so pretty. All the passes are so pretty. Um, there's a lot of lot of juice flowing around there. So who, Joe, in your mind is just rising and climbing the ranks in ADP just a little too quickly, I might add? Who's got you nervous based on how quickly they are? Uh, ascending in the ADP ranks. Well, with all the news in the last 24 hours, I can already I can feel the Kalen Balaj ADP soaring. You can just feel it mm-hmm. in your bones. And I don't know how I feel about this. I've been a Kenyan Drake truther now for a while, and I still feel like it's not his fault. It's very goodwill hunting with him where I just want to hold him and say it's okay. 
it's not your fault. <laughs> it's not your fault. And then he's like, I know I'm trying, but I'm really trying. And there's nobody gives him the football. Um, the deep stats on him are so much better. Um, with Balage, I understand the fascination with him. But at the same time, now what's going to happen is because we're in this vacuum of there's not a lot of football happening and not meaningful football really for another couple of weeks at all, where you're going to get true tests of players. The problem is now all of a sudden it's going to be theoretical rising. And we saw we've seen this happen before. We saw it happen even last year with some of the rookies like Rashad Penny's uh, ADP went flying up. You know, as we got closer to training camp, you saw with Ronald Jones, all these guys started going way too high. Royce Freeman and then none of them ended up panning out really. And now a guy like Balazs, who there might be opportunity, maybe it will be a timeshare, maybe it won't. But now all of a sudden, when you get the big people in the industry, like Matthew Barry saying something or someone else saying something, all of a sudden you see it just shoot up. And that's, that's where it gets real complicated. So he goes from being a potential bargain to now a potential question mark. If you draft him and he fails, it's going to cost your team. So that to me is one that I'm staying away from. I'm hoping that Kenyon Drake could still somehow win things out. If not, maybe they'll trade him somewhere. He's got one year left on his deal. So I think that's why they're seeing so much Kalen Balazs personally in, in trying to get, well, cause you want to see, right? Like, what do we have here with this guy and that guy before we really going to go to war with everything. But I think it's a huge mistake that they're making, but it wouldn't shock me to see another Patriot assistant fail as a head coach. So what do you, what, what can I tell you from that? I do think they they know that Drake is talented and they want to see what they have in Balage. I'm not too worried yet. Plus, also, people need to remember just because Balage gets carries and he might start, I, th- I still think Drake will be very involved. And it doesn't mean Balage will be fantasy relevant. Just because you get the carries doesn't mean you're good and it doesn't mean you're going to score fantasy points enough to actually play him. So I, I'm not trusting in Balage yet. I'm with you. Exactly. And, you know, I think one of the things that we might be able to think about as um, I'm going to join your 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 wagon here. <laughs> Come on, it's the wagon. Truther. Go for it, Kate. I'm hoping, I'm hoping that this news about Kalen Balaj is going to drive down the ADP of Kenyon Drake and I can get him at even more I hope of so. a bargain. I'm hoping so. I'd, I'd like to see that happen. Um, but it's it, this kind of goes back to always what my theory is, and Jake Seely and I actually just talked about this on the last show, which is you don't want to leave your running back situation to these kind of situations. You want to make sure you handle your business early in the rounds of drafts. That way, you don't have to rely on these guys. If you hit on one of them, it's a bonus. It's great. But if you miss, it's not going to sink you. That's the problem is people with the zero RB stupidity and some other stuff that people want to throw out there. Handle your running back business in the first couple rounds. At least get a, a just a set – duo that you know you can rely on at least theoretically and then everything else the Ecklers and all these other guys of the world who might have value they're just bonuses at flex positions I I think that's a good way to approach it don't target these guys but take them when they fall to you and you might have a uh, a good a good flex play a good uh guy that can can work in uh to your lineup eventually Michelle who do you got who's who's rising way too much for you so I feel like I blinked and then all of a sudden Julian Edelman was going in the top of the fourth round. I get Julian Edelman is awesome and he just gets peppered with targets and Tom Brady loves him and he's literally the only pass catcher there right now besides a rookie that, I mean, we all are hearing that he can't separate. He's going to take time with Harry to actually produce in the NFL. So I get he's the only target there, but the Early fourth round, he's going around digs. He's going ahead of Brandon Cooks, Robert Woods, Kenny Galladay. Like, these are all guys that can be dominant wide receiver ones. 
Julian Edelman can be a target monster, but he's only played two full seasons twice. Or yeah, two full seasons. That would be twice. <laughs> In his nine-year career. Math. <clears throat> nine-year career, he's either suspended, he gets hurt a lot. I understand it's because of the way he plays. Um, he's going to be 34 or is he he's 33 right now 33 and a half years old actually we go with halves here um he's playing with a 42 year old quarterback that never quits I understand that they never fail but I just don't see him you know playing that full 16 games when it just doesn't happen that often and then you're really relying on those targets if he does play because he doesn't score that often his highest touchdown production was in 2015 with seven he's normally around that three to five mark um, and I don't see that going up when there's no one to take pressure off of him. Um, so I just think his price is too rich for me. If he fell in the fifth, late fifth, I'd be happy to grab him. But that early fourth round, there's just too many other good people to grab. Joe, how do you feel about that as the resident? <laughs> well, just to be clear, too, just to remind everybody, I lost Super Bowls as a Patriots fan before I won them. I go back to the Drew Bledsoe, Curtis Martin days, so I'm not a bandwagoner. So uh, I was uh, – I was. I'm just saying, sure. just say, hey, I want me to go. I will get the <laughs> Drew Bledsoe jersey out of the closet and tweet you a picture. Um, I will do it. I've had to do it before. People are like, you're, you're lying. You're full of it. Well, yeah, well, here you go. I know pain. <laughs> Brett Favre was my pain. Uh, but listen, and if you want to just like a team to like a team, I don't care anyways. Right. It's like, fine. If you want to like New England for Tom Brady, just like him. I yeah. Don't care like be, be a, be a piece with that. My God. Well, I'm also a Mets fan. So like I've, uh, I've had that cross to bear my mm, whole life. Yeah. So I know pain and embarrassment too. So that kind of equals it out. That, for that's what I say. It's like, I understand humility and every September, like I get joy again. And I remember what it is to feel good about myself. Uh, but with Edelman, I definitely agree with what you're saying. I think it's because of the grouping. It's not a knock on Edelman's skill set. I think what's happening is people are just feeling really safe and comfortable with the role he has. And uh, they're almost uh, over-elevating him a little bit because of the lack of Gronkowski. So they're looking for where's the target share going. And I think Nikhil Harry will continue to evolve and get better. And I think he was the most complete receiver in the draft for me in terms of like polish that I thought he could go in right away and help a team uh, like New England. I think they must have obviously thought the same thing. I was very happy when they drafted him. But when you're talking about the other guys, we're talking about the three Rams guys, we're talking about Galladay, all in that same area. I don't think there's a reason to overpay for Julian Edelman either. I think he'll still be very good. I think he'll be a regular Julian Edelman season. And you bring up the point about the age and the injuries. He is a guy that goes over the middle. He is a guy that will take shots. And that's something you do have to be concerned with. So he is not as safe as the ADP says. And there's other options. So I wouldn't overpay in an auction. I wouldn't overpay in a draft. If he falls to you, great. But you're right. I think the ADP is rising a little bit too much because people are just kind of being lazy with where the target share goes whereas i think some of it's going to go to james white some more and i think james white's in in line for a potentially even bigger year than he had last year are you buying any of the the gossip that gronkowski has has trimmed down a little bit to come back as a wide receiver <laughs> you know what rob gronkowski is a nut he'll do whatever he wants i i don't know at this point I still feel like I would be surprised if he came back. Like if you ask me, I know a lot of people are like, oh, it's 60% chance he comes back. For me, I don't know. Yeah. I think it's much lower. I think he's enjoying life. I've seen him on TV all over the place and I don't know. I'm, I'm going to say no. I don't think he comes back. I don't back. think so I don't think he comes back. Especially, I mean, the whole wide receiver rumor is just silly. Like I feel like watching him run last year, it looked a little 
sluggish. Sluggish would so be I the understatement. Think, I mean, yeah, I don't think him coming back to play. He hasn't been would be Gronk for years, and this is the thing. Like, I don't know why everyone's like, "Oh my god, what's going to happen without Gronk?" I'm like, we haven't really had full strength Gronk forever. Like, he had two really, you know, decent outings in the playoffs where he kind of got it together and, and put it there, but. His ability to catch the football isn't what it used to be. His ability to separate isn't what it used to be. His ability to, you know, stay on the field has just been dreadful over the last couple of years. Didn't it, didn't y'all win in 2016 without uh, Last time I checked, yeah. Last time I yeah, checked. Yeah, so you'll, you'll be fine yeah. annoyingly. Yeah, yeah annoyingly <laughs> fine. Annoyingly fine. Yeah. That's another good hashtag for the Patriots. I think um, I think just the fact that that we did see Gronk trim down so drastically, like he can't come back and and block in the same way. He he lost a lot of mass very quickly. I know I know he posted some shirtless photos to try and counter otherwise, but he's still skinny. <laughs> he's still skinny, man. All right, Kate, you're not getting out of this. Who's your rapid riser? All right, I got to go with Daryl Henderson, who is going at the six twelve in half PPR formats. I know. I, I, I heard on the street that Todd Gurley's knee is broken <laughs> and he will never play another snap again. But but I have to say that um, word on the street right now out of out of Los Angeles, at least, is that Todd Gurley feels decent. Um, he's actually going to be practicing today. We're recording this on Saturday. Um, he's going to be in, I think, his first training camp practice. Uh, they're going to be managing reps for him. Uh, MJD says, I think, close to 16 touches per game, which is fine. Um, 5.8 yards per touch last season, put him around, would put him around 1300 scrimmage yards. Math. Uh, math. <clears throat> it, Michelle was a former math teacher for those of you oh, who don't know. Look at that. We're learning more about each other. How nice. I know. Algebra baby. Algebra. No, <laughs> no math degree, no teaching degree, <laughs> marketing degree. Mark- Florida will let anybody teach. Anything. Don't raise your kids in Florida <laughs> in public schools. Yeah. That's some math for you right yeah. there. I think we know that from all the Florida man uh, memes and things like that. Yeah. Oh yeah. All of, all of the bath salts. <laughs> um, Daryl Henderson. Anyway, I, I, I like the dude. We actually met him down at SportsCon. Very nice gentleman. He was adorable. He was a very nice guy, but I, I can't see him being worth the, the uh, six round pick. Not not anytime soon, unless you actually see Todd Gurley go down completely. I Daryl Henderson is not going to be worth that pick for me. Um, I I think that even if we're managing Todd Gurley's reps, uh, they're going to save some of those reps for goal line opportunities, which they are going to have because they are the Rams. Um, Sean McVay is not going to uh, use him in a way that's not going to benefit their offense, and I think that. Uh, those goal line opportunities are still bound for Gurley as long as he is healthy enough to be in the game. Um, they're going to use him as a pass catcher. As soon as you saw Gurley sort of tweak his knee, I think it was week 13 or 14, you saw his target share just shoot up. Um, I just can't see a world where Daryl Henderson is worth this, like I said, unless yeah. Todd Gurley is completely injured and unable to play. I think he's worth that in dynasty and redraft. He shouldn't even be going close to that. What do you think? Ugh, I, Joe? I have planted the Gurley flag. I, uh, I had Marcus Grant on black book a couple weeks ago and then we had Fabiano on. We were all on the same page. We talked about it on NFL live to you a couple weeks ago. Uh, I just don't get it at this point. I, I understand the concern and the concern. I understand dropping him out of the top five after that. I mean, look at the rest of the running back board. And now, especially with the Melvin Gordon news, I mean, 
This is insane. The overreaction to the Todd Gurley thing. I get it. He ruined a lot of fantasy playoffs. I understand the the actual NFL playoffs were a scary thing to watch him on the sidelines, not really participating. But if he had a whole offseason to get right, to get even a little leaner too, to take a little pressure off, you've also got Cooper Cup back into that offense to take a little bit of pressure off him in the passing game. Because when Cooper Cup went down, you saw Todd Gurley take a little bit of, of that Cooper Cup role And I think that had a little bit, because of the style of that role, a little bit more extra wear and tear on his body. So now that's coming off of it as well. I feel very confident, and I put my money where my mouth is because I drafted him in Scott Fishbowl. I got him in the second round, so I got Devon Adams in the first and Todd Gurley in the second. And I am perfectly happy to go to war with that. And I think people are way overreacting. And I'll tell you what, I've got the nine pick in flex coming up uh, on Friday, that draft with Jake. And I feel like if Todd Gurley's there, it's going to be really hard for me to pass on him. That's how bullish I am on Gurley. And I think as far as Henderson goes, it's like like Michelle just said, it's kind of a waste and redraft to pass on other depth that's actually going to play every week and be contributing for the price of what Daryl Henderson is. Yeah, and as you just said, you got Gurley and Scotty Fish uh, in the second round. I got him at the oh 305. Oh, my God. Canis. Yes. It was 305. So, so what's that team? What's the, what are the first three guys on that team? Well, okay. Well, it's not going to sound too great because I had the 105, and I feel like, you know, those top four running backs were off the board. I went Le'Veon Bell at the fifth spot. I, I, I think look, he – I don't – I think that's the, the safe – Like, I, look, I, I think we've talked about this too is, yeah, Adam Gase is a night, nightmare, but he's also never had Le'Veon Bell. So, I mean, I know you want to say, like, then, can he screw that up too? <laughs> I hope not, but I'm, I'm hoping he doesn't. Listen, he made Kenyon Drake uh, running back 14 of PPR. I feel like Le'Veon Bell is just a little bit more talented than Kenyon Drake. Like, I, I think okay, he'll so be Okay, so Le'Veon Bell, Todd think, Gurley, who is the second? And then I have Deshaun Watson, which oh, super I flex, thought so. the quarterback run was going to start a little bit sooner. It never happened. That quarterback run never oh, happened. Oh, my God. It never happened in mine either. I, it was shocking to me. I don't know what went on there, but it never I know, happened I feel like in a lot either. of people said that, and it really kind of ruined my team because I could have got Connor right there, James Connor. My team could have started with Bell, Connor, and Gurley, and wow. I think that would have been way better than – Watson. I think what's going on, and this is, might be a good thing for other people with Superflex, if if this is the general tone of what's going out there, that the quarterback pool is really extraordinarily deep this year, that people are much more apt to wait. Now, this was also before the Tyreek Hill news, too. So I think before that news broke is when we started those drafts, yeah. if memory serves. So that's why you didn't see like the extra Mahomes bump. You saw him even knock down a couple pegs. So that's that's fascinating. Oh, my God. <sighs> Super flex, people. Go get your quarterbacks, for God's sake. <laughs> I got Daryl Henderson in the eleventh round at Scott Fish, which I think that's a decent that's a decent value for uh for what he could be. So I'm it, it's no Todd Gurley in the third, but I still need to take a humble brag there. Yeah, that's I mean, that's yeah. just ridiculous. God, good for you. I hope you Thank trounce you. everybody. Todd Gurley in the third, just on principle. It's God. So we'll we'll get into our standing stills. So these are still waters that we need to make a splash on, right? Like these guys should be more hyped than they are and nobody's talking about them. Nobody is acknowledging what they could be, at least when it comes to their ADP. So who's getting that hype uh, who we haven't seen that bump in that you might be able to get at a value for this season? Well, I'm not sure if he's getting hype, but he's getting positive news. And that's all I really needed is Philip Lindsay. 
And I understand last year he was a undrafted free agent. I get that he's a little bit smaller, but did anybody watch the games last year? Did anybody see what Philip Lindsay was doing? How was efficient pretty. he was? He actually has. T- I know. Yeah, he also has touchdown upside. He's also got incredible character. He's a guy that seems to want to stick it to everybody for passing over him. He's easy to root for, but on, on but really to the point. Even if Royce Freeman is going to get more involved, I don't know if that's a bad thing. I think that actually helps keep a guy like Lindsey fresher as the year goes on. So for me, the fact that we got him not starting on the pop list, which everybody expected he was going to, if you drafted a month ago, the the discount on Lindsey was insane. And I would think that it would start to rise up. And it hasn't, and I don't understand why. And I think it's great because I'm perfectly fine with him on my team. And if he continues to slip in drafts, I'm going to keep on taking him. And I just I just don't get it. I mean, I, I think Joe Flacco is Joe Flacco, but he's an improvement on everything that they've had there for the last three years. So even just by default, the rest of that receiving core is pretty decent. They've got some talent. Manuel Sanders didn't start on the pup either. So, oh, my God, like, why isn't Philip Lindsay a thing? And I'm I just don't understand I think it. What happened? Um, and Joe, you referred to the fact that sort of everybody expected him to open up training camp on the pup list. And I think when when all of those sort of rumors were circulating, everybody got themselves a little higher on Royce Freeman. And I think because of that, we've seen yeah. a little bit of a discount in Philip Lindsay. I do worry about his efficiency. Like you referred, he's he's a very efficient back and he literally came out of absolutely nowhere. I remember watching the first Broncos game and I was like, who, who is that man? Like, why is his name not Royce Freeman? Who is Lindsay? And I, like, I remember that sort of question mark. So I I think between the fact that you, you just wonder, like, is Royce Freeman going to see the field more? People get burned on things they don't know. Like when something happens that they weren't planning for, it's like they don't believe in it. You know, I mean, Kurt Warner was kind of one of those things, too. I remember Kurt Warner happened and everyone's like, wow, what a crazy year. Well, that can't happen again. All right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and then, like, and then it did. So I think that's part of it, too. And I think also he doesn't fit the mold necessarily. But if you look at what's happening in the NFL over the last couple couple years, you've seen a distinct move towards the faster running back, not necessarily the bigger, stronger running back. Uh, the game is just becoming a speed game more than anything, especially with some of the rules you have now in place where the way you tackle is differently. So now it's it's different. It's just a different game. And a guy like Philip Lindsay 10 years ago might not have had that kind of success or even that opportunity. But now it's very different. I think everyone needs to readjust their brains about it. So I've been known to be a non-Lindsay believer on here. So I'm pretty happy that you came on and talked about him so people can get both sides. You know, we don't want to ever be on good. one side. Give me the yeah, other side. Other side. <laughs> All right, Michelle, tell me, who who are you? Uh, I was actually hoping you would do Royce Freeman here. <laughs> that would be funny. <laughs> no, I'm not. I'm going to do Curtis Samuel, who is getting the hype this offseason. Like, I see a lot of people talking about him, but his ADP is still mid-10th round, uh, 10.07, which I do think he should be a bit higher um, when you're looking at people he's going around. So, you know, he had Devin Funches ahead of him for most of last year. Funches was not producing. He was banged up. By week 12, Funches's, Funches's, that's hard to say, Funches's. It's better than Funchai. I don't think it's Funchai. Funchai. I don't think so. His offensive snaps went from the 80s all the way down to the 45%, 39, 19, 23, and then he was out. When that happened, Curtis Samuel jumped from the 30% all the way up to 80 and 90% of offensive snaps by week 12. 
So he took over that wide receiver two role. And once that happened, dude produced. Like he was not doing it in the beginning of the year, but as soon as he saw those snaps, he produced. He saw 11 targets, eight targets, 13 targets in those games. Um, Another one, only four targets, but 72 yards and a touchdown. And we have to remember during this time, Cam Newton was struggling. Like he couldn't even throw the ball 20 yards down the field is what we're hearing. Um, So I think with a healthy Cam Newton um, getting these snaps all year long, he's going to put up really good numbers. Um, And like we see his counterpart, DJ Moore going well ahead of him in what the fifth round, fifth, sixth round. I just don't think there should be that big of a gap between the two when they both have a chance to be the honest wide receiver one on that team, or at least super close. So I think, we need to get that ADP up into that eighth round. There's no reason he's not going around a Sterling Shepard, Larry Fitzgerald, Geronimo Allison. Those are all guys going to eighth round. I think Curtis should be right there with them. I take him over Sterling Shepard in a heartbeat. I agree with you. And Larry. I, I think there's a lot of opportunity. Yeah. Well, the Larry thing, that's, that's one where I'd like to see Larry Fitzgerald with a guy who can actually throw the ball for a change. I, but it's not about, I understand the, I understand the, the, the comp though. I think the offense is going to be much better. Yeah. And it's not about Larry being, you know, he's awesome. We all know that he's a right. Hall of Famer, oh, sure. but he is like, I mean, he's pretty old. He's what? 36. I think he's 36. Yeah. I, um, I don't know. Sooner or later, you, you just can't, on that. sooner or later, you just can't play the game anymore. So I think he, I think he'll still, you know, produce with Kyler Murray, but just not maybe a fantasy asset. Yeah, I'm surprised why Samuel hasn't gotten more love, but you're right. That's definitely a guy that has opportunity. And of, here you go, too. There's a perfect example. I think you mentioned at the top of the show. Now, this is that time of year where everyone's just in shorts and people throw a pass and everyone's just ooing and aahing. And we saw that already with the Curtis Samuel one from Cam Newton. And everyone's like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. So maybe next week it will move. Yeah, now, right now I agree. I'll let you that now. one pass. <laughs> That's all it takes. One pass in shorts. Everybody all of a sudden is a rock star. It's hilarious. I also think, um, so K- Curtis Samuel, I'm pretty sure he's been, he's never actually been able to participate in a full, um, full off season of like uh, programmatic workouts, basically. Like he's missed OTAs. He's missed training camp. This is the first year we've seen him healthy and present, um, in these off season programs. So I think that, um, you know, when you're you're sort of working on that that breakout season and when it comes to rapport with your quarterback, I think he's sort of primed for that. And people forget he was a pretty early second round pick. I mean, he didn't go all that much later than DJ Moore. I mean, obviously different drafts, but I, I get DJ Moore was a late first round pick, but they still spent a really high draft pick on Curtis Samuel just one year before that. I think those wide receiver one targets is all up for grabs. <laughs> Um, my guy, my standstill, Latavius Murray. Guys, why is nobody talking about Latavius Murray? He's got to be the least talked about guy on one of the best offenses. You all want all the pass catchers, right? In in New Orleans, we want Jared Cook. We want uh, Traquan Smith to come and be a thing. We want all of these different pieces to sort of come to fruition in New Orleans, but nobody's looking at the guy who's, probably set to see like 180 to 200 carries. I, I want a guy um, in the seventh round uh, to have a workload like that. There aren't a lot of guys in that, that round who are sort of set for that kind of workload. Um, I think Latavius Murray, we've seen what he can do behind a decent offensive line when he was in Oakland. Um, you know, he uh, eclipsed that, that 12 touchdown mark, which I love. He's shown some pass catching ability. 
Um, career high is for 41 receptions, which um, when you look at sort of the the shift in the New Orleans offense, I you know, towards the the sh- maybe shorter passes, heavier run game. I think Latavius Murray is so primed for a great workload. They've got a good offensive line. I'm just not sure why nobody's talking about it. I agree. And you know what's what's funny to me is name me another secondary running back on a team that if the first guy got hurt could step in and be a true RB1. Because and we've I'm not seen a big, him do it. Well, I'm just saying we've seen him do it. <clears throat> the offense is good enough to supply him with enough opportunity to do it. And all these other, you know, I'm not a big handcuff person. I don't like to do that typically. But Latavius Murray's is one guy that if you don't own Kamara even, he's worth drafting because even if he got 75% of the workload that used to go to Mark Ingram, that's still pretty decent as a flex spot in a 14-team league. And that's also pretty decent. What if Alvin Kamara gets hurt? All of a sudden, now you've got a guy who could actually fill that role. If Ezekiel Elliott goes down, no one's filling that role. If 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 Saquon Barkley goes down, Wayne Gallman doesn't become Saquon Barkley. You know, I just want people to understand. Right? No, apparently not. But there's that mindset, like, oh, at least I'll have that guy. No, that's dumb. Don't waste your roster spot. Whereas with this guy, with Latavius Murray, there's that opportunity to be that guy, and that's the thing to me. I don't understand why people aren't valuing not only his role. But the potential, if God forbid something happens to Murray, oh, excuse me, if something happens uh, over to Alvin Kamara, that Murray becomes a huge fantasy asset. He does. And the the fact that he does have this sort of standalone value and he's got sort of that vacated role for Mark Ingram, um, it's it's already carved out. He's he's come out to say, like, I'm not here to replace Mark Ingram. But you are, dude. Yeah, like, really? You, what are not- you there to do? Like, make beignets? <laughs> like, I don't understand. What the hell are you doing in New Orleans besides replacing Mark Ingram? I don't get it. That's that's what you're doing. That That's instantly carved out. So I, I like the value there and I like the upside there. Um, Joe, one more thing that we want to do with you today. We want to play a little game of rapid reaction. That's our favorite Ooh, thing. Hot uh, I like it. We, we've got some fun, fun fantasy guys, uh, fun fantasy rapid reactions for you. Um, let's kick it off. So I want you to say the first thing that comes to mind. <laughs> 2019 fantasy bust. Go. Letter Fournette. Woo. Uh, 2019 Super Bowl MVP. Patrick Holmes. All right. So wait, we. Oh, I'm sorry. We're going around. <laughs> I went out of order here. Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't know. I was supposed to do super. No, I was supposed to do Super Bowl championship, but I, I guess you gave yourself away. It's, well, yeah. <laughs> it's, you're picking Kansas City over New England. Your baby. Listen, they they should have beaten them. Look, Bill Belichick for a whole half of a football game stopped the best quarterback in the league last year and held him scoreless. Now that was amazing. That was an incredible thing to watch. It's not something you can bank on happening. And as great as I think the Colts could be too, I just, I don't know, man. I just see Mahomes playing at this different level. It's like the Matrix or something, man. That guy's just just doing things that nobody else should be able to do. And the defense isn't any good. They didn't get better. I don't care what anybody tells me. They did not get better. That's a push. All the moves they made is a push. But I just still think Mahomes could be that guy. I just He's just insanely good. I love it. How about your fantasy MVP? Uh, fantasy MVP. You know what? Let's go Todd Gurley. Just to screw everybody. Ooh. How about that? Oh, wouldn't Love that be it. great? <laughs> Your favorite late round value. Uh, favorite late round value. Um, I'm talking. Yeah. Uh, There's so later. many of them. That's what, like for me, that's a tougher one. Um, I'm trying to think of like a guy who ends up on my team a lot. Um, I'm going to say Deshaun Hamilton. I end up a lot of shares of him. Love it. 
Uh, and last but not least, the first overall pick in the 2020 <laughs> NFL draft belongs to Todd Gurley because he's fantasy MVP and everybody has to eat crow again. Oh, that would be fun. I like I like a good narrative much as the next guy. <laughs> so you just really are not buying into this knee being I'm a long-term buying into issue, it being huh? a long term issue, but I'm just trying to get through this year. Can we just get through this year and then we can all emotionally? Yeah, I mean, we can all hold hands and, you know, sing songs and whatever. It's just Let's get through 2019. 2020 is going to be a whole brand new world anyway. So come on. And I want to throw one more in just so you can really make one fan base super upset. <laughs> uh, who do you think, what team is going to have the first pick in the NFL draft next year? Uh, God. Who's the Tread lightly. Um, Jaguars. I think they suck. Oh, <laughs> I actually have them as such a good team this year. So that's so interesting that uh, I don't know. opposite. But I, that would make me Tough happy. division, I mean, too. AFC. Yeah. Yeah. That's a hard division. I got They've you. also burned us. Yeah. They they always beat the Steelers somehow. Or just, I don't know. That was just the first one that popped in my head. I'm sure if I thought about it more, there's probably worse teams out there. But I thought you were going to go with Miami, you know, in division. <sighs> it's, they're pretty they're bad. Pretty bad. Well, Miami's, Miami's pretty bad, too. They, they're definitely up there. But you know what? They need to be. Because I don't think Rosen's the answer, a quarterback, either. But at least they should play him and find out. That's the thing that I don't get. This whole Fitzpatrick thing going on where that's such a right? waste. I don't get like, what are you trying to prove? What? Like, why do you want to win six, seven games? Like you either want to lose all of them and be the first pick or you want to try to see what you have with Rosen. Like, I don't, I don't it's like get the it. Jet thing for years. They couldn't lose. Right. Like all the Jet fan base wanted them to do was lose enough so they could get a quarterback. And then finally one year they did. And now they got him. And now look there. And now we're talking about the Jets. As a as a pretty good team and defensively, when you add CJ Mosley and you've got Quinn Williams, CJ Mosley, and then Jamal Adams, that's three tiers of a defense. How many teams have potentially three stars on each tier of their defense? That is not something that happens in the NFL very much. You got to go like back to the old school Raven days with Ed Reed and and uh, and Ray Lewis and those guys to really meet that. That's that's quite a thing there. So now the Jets are going to be better for sure. Yeah, the Jets and the. You know, the Bills finally lost enough games to get themselves a quarterback that I think well, the will be Bills decent. defense is chippy too, man. That's a that's a physical unit out there. Yeah, I think you that know, division will actually ball. be kind of interesting this year. I mean, obviously I do too. Obviously, New England will come away with it, but I think there'll be some hard games in there. It's gonna be far more interesting than it's been in a very long time. I could say I that. I agree. I love it. Uh let's let's close things up over here. Everybody, if you are not following Joe on Twitter. Shame on you. Follow him Shame. at Joe Pisapia, P-I-S-A-P-I-A 17. Uh, be sure to check out the Fantasy Black Book Show with Scott Bogman, Chris Welsh. Follow them on Twitter. Um, go buy your copy of the Black Book right now on Amazon. Uh, available on Kindle, paperback for you old school folks so you could take some notes. You know what's funny? The old school folks went out. We sell 10 to 1 in paperback. No way. People love to hold it in their hand. You know why, too? We print it on the kind of paper that you can highlight, oh. not like magazine paper. So people can highlight, they can make notes, you can write in it and stuff like that. So I do that specifically and people love it and it's hilarious to me. We live in this digital age, but the paperback sales are are huge for, for black That's books. actually encouraging to hear as an office fan who really wants the paper industry to <laughs> succeed. <laughs> uh, don't forget, guys, check out the uh, Fantrax NFL draft kit uh, for your fantasy football leagues. Uh, Joe actually has a really great article series. He's outlined every single NFL team and their fantasy outlooks for the 2019 season. Uh, and it's all free, so you can't miss that. 
Um, Joe, you're doing some really awesome things. Uh, they've had some really good guests on their podcast lately, so go check those out. Um, who have you had on, Joe? Uh, let's see. We had Jake Seely on, which might have been the funniest one Ooh. we've ever had. But Jake and I used to do radio together, for so we have a different relationship. <laughs> so when you when you speak to somebody five days a week, as you guys know, you have a different rapport. Yeah. Uh, we had Mike Tagliere. We had um, we had Marcus Grant. We had Michael Fabiano. We've got Elliot Chris coming on next week. We've got uh, Graham Barfield coming on. So we got a who's who. Some great guests. We've even got uh, Adam Murphy from uh, Five Yard Rush in the UK which is that UK uh, fantasy football podcast. It's really taking off over there. He's great fun. I've been on their show. I highly recommend following them too on five yard rush. He is great. He's passionate. And it's great to hear like that, that, you know, British voice talk about fantasy football. I don't know, just something about (laughs) it as an original office fan makes me happy. So (laughs) Awesome. I love it. Thank you so much for joining us today, Joe. Um, Everybody go follow him by your black book now. Thank you. Thanks so much for having me, guys. Anytime.